0: All right, you ready for the word? All right, let's turn to the book of Romans. And so we are in Romans 16. We're going to start with verse 17. Let's read. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipator, my countrymen greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my, uh, Gaius, my host and host of the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cortus, a brother, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience to the faith, to God alone be wise, is wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. It's blessed, and we're going to open our heart up and receive nourishment from it and be blessed. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, I thank you for causing people to hear you today and walk away with exactly what they need. And only you can do this miracle, and it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go back to verse 17. Let's start unpacking this. And verse 17 says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. Paul starts, says, I urge you, brethren. The word urge is the Greek word parakaleo, which means to call to one side. It means to exhort somebody, to entreat them, to beseech them, and to strengthen them. And so Paul uses this Greek word 50 times four times in his letters fifty four times so this brings out the new testament is about uh... it's about loving exhortation not harsh commands under the law it's harsh commands but in the new covenant there's beseeching tell someone i beseech you beseech you i urge you and so again it's loving exhortation in the new testament he uses it fifty four times in his letters he says note those who cause division look at the word note it's the Greek word skopeo we get the word scope scope out those that are causing divisions and offenses you can actually say keep your eye on them keep your eye on them those that cause divisions and offenses and so we want to keep our eye on them because we don't want to be like them we want to avoid them says contrary to the doctrine which you've learned And so those that are causing division, there are people in the body of Christ that they want to bring in, come into a unified body and get them to be opposed to one another. And so how they do it is usually they're going to bring in false doctrine. And they want to bring in questionings about certain doctrines and bring in novel doctrines and make people start questioning and then start taking positions and separate this side of the church from that side of the church. And so I know we're separated here, but I know we're all together. But it says, note those that want to come in and do that and cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. That's sound doctrine, the doctrine of the New Testament, the doctrine of the apostles. And so again, uh, we want to make sure that we're not uh, opening ourselves up to someone that's wanting to cause divisions. And it's hard to, to note them because we're going to find out that they're going to be smooth, smooth operators. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to talk smooth and they're going to flatter you. And, and so, but you got to be aware of those that would want to come in and do that. And so it's contrary to the doctrine, which you've learned. And so again, you've guys been taught the word of God. So, but you need to make sure that you don't let anybody come in and deceive you. And so it says right here, it says, uh, keep your eyes on those that want to cause divisions and, and disunion. Offenses is occasion to stumble. Contrary to the doctrine you've learned and avoid them. Say avoid them. Well, that's not love, Paul. You're telling me to avoid certain people. And even with the ones that are called Christians. Yeah, there's, there are some times and some people you are to avoid and even reject. Oh, I just sucked the air out of the room and say, Pastor, that's not gracious or loving. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Are you willing to let the Word stand in the way of what you believe? <laughs> or are you going to let what you believe go, be governed by the Word of God? Amen. So often Christians today, they're not disciples. They're saved. They're converts, but they're not disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is someone that, that, that forms forges their beliefs according to what the Word says, and then their actions and how they act, it's according to what God said, not their emotions. Not their reasoning. Well, it just doesn't make sense that I would avoid anybody or reject anybody. But you know what? I'm going to show you scripture after scripture where it tells us in certain cases to do that. And so so I think God knows a little bit more than we do. And God's a little bit more loving than we are. And God's a little bit more gracious than we are. But if He tells us sometimes that we need to avoid certain people, it's for our good and it's for their good. And so. Let's, let's uh, look at some scriptures, because I know you're going to say, well, you got to prove this to me, Pastor. Well, i got something for you. So let's, let's give you, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We're going to talk about, there's times that you're going to avoid some people and even reject them. And so we're going to find out in the mouth of two or three witnesses, but I don't have two or three witnesses. I have eight. And then I don't have time for any of that. I'm going to stop at eight. Is eight enough? Is eight enough? Wasn't that a... Uh, uh, all right, eight's enough. All right. Okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to have the testimony of Jesus himself. Then we're going to have the testimony of the apostle of grace, Paul. Then we're going to have the testimony of the apostle of love, John. And so let's go to Matthew 18, 17. Jesus is going to talk about church discipline. He says if you have an audience, a brother, you go to them. Talk to them. Don't go to your neighbor. Don't go to leadership. You go straight to them. If you can't settle it, then you bring two or three witnesses not your best friends. No, those that, a witness is someone that saw something or knows something about the situation. You bring them along with you and then you take it to church leadership and if they don't listen to church leadership in Matthew 18, 17, Jesus says, and if he refuses to hear them, that's the church leaders or, or the, the witnesses, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And so on that day, the heathen and the tax collector were not a group that you hung out with, you know, unless they wanted to repent. And so, let, so let's move on. That's Jesus. Now let's look at the apostle of grace. 1 Corinthians 5, look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 5. These are people that we're called to not associate with, and even if they're called a Christian. Look in 1 Corinthians 5, look at verse 9. It says, I wrote you in my letter, epistle, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world. It's like, you know, that'd be kind of hard to stay away from from, uh, all those wicked things when, when the world's filled with that. But you're called to be salt and light, right? So you're going to be around the world and around sinners and they're going to be around foul mouth and stuff like that. And so they don't know any better. That's their nature. And so they're a sinner, so they sin. Well, that's not novel. But what about believers that call themselves believer but live like the world? But verse 11 says, But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, a Christian. Don't keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or extortioner. Not even eat with such a person. For what have I do to judge those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside, believers? Look at 2 Thessalonians 3, look at verse 6. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw your withdraw from every brother, Christian, who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition received from us. And in context, it's those, what's, what does it mean to walk disorderly? That means you refuse to have a job. You refuse to work, but you want to live off other people and you want other believers to to provide for you, but you refuse to work, refuse to take any job that's offered to you and you just don't want to work and you just want to go around and be a busybody and not not do your own work. It says withdraw. Say withdraw. Well, that's not loving. That's not gracious. It's not, well, maybe your version of grace and love isn't defined by the word. All right, I knew that would go as well as I thought it would. Go to 2 Thessalonians 3, look at verse 14. Paul says, that if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person. Scope him out. Keep your eye on him. Note that person and do not keep company with him. That he may be ashamed. It's for their good. They're going to wonder, why is people not hanging around me? Why? You know, everywhere I go, people don't, they, they flee away every time I go. And you're like, you're the common denominator. <laughs> there must be something wrong with me. And they're ashamed. It's like, you know what? My, what I'm doing is wrong. Look at First Timothy 6. Look at verse 3 through 5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. Division, causing division. A divisive person. From which envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspic- suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. And so those things listed above, you you not to stay around them and associate with those. Look at Second Timothy 3.5, I'm sorry, look at Titus 3.10, Titus 3.10. Oh, here's this word. I can't believe this word. Reject. (gasps) The apostle of grace? Reject. Say reject. Is this scripture? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, this is the New King James. It's not some weird translation that I pulled out to say this. It says, reject a divisive man. Division and strife are deadly. Deadly to a church, deadly to your life. And so reject a divisive man or woman. Mankind, man, that's anthropos, which means mankind. Reject a divisive person after the first and second admonition. So yes, you should give them an admonition and you should try to work with them. But after a first and second time, it says reject them. Reject a divisive man after first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped. Have you ever met a warped person? knowing that such a person is warped in sinning, being self-condemned. You don't want to be hanging around with someone that's actively revolting against the Word of God and against the church. And look at, okay, so that's the Apostle of Grace, so let's go to the Apostle of Love. Let's go to 2 John 1, look at verse 10. Whoever transgresses, transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone, say anyone, anyone, comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. And so guys, there's some, there's some groups of people that you're not to hang around with and associate with. First Corinthians 15, says evil Communications or evil company corrupts good manners. And so I know you all have good manners. But don't let them be corrupted. Tell someone don't let your good manners be corrupted. Amen. <coughs> Amen. So guess what? Hanging around with the round crowd, will well, I rub off on them? No, they'll end up rubbing off on you. You know, if you have a sack of good apples and you throw a rotten apple in, will the good apples heal the rotten one? What will, happen to, what will happen to the good apples? In close contact, that's going to happen. So again, we're supposed to go out in the world, be salt and light, but I'm talking about having fellowship and close relationship with others. Not everyone's good for you. I'm speaking to someone. You have, you have someone you're trying to have a close relationship with, and they have a negative influence on you. And the Lord's saying, it's not good for you. And so you need, and you've tried to speak to them, and they're just wanting to stay where they're at. It's time for you to move on. Amen. Say, move on. move on. God has better for you. All right, so let's go back. All right, it says, avoid them. Verse 18, for those who are of such cause division and offenses, they're such who do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're serving Jesus. For those who such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. What's that mean? It doesn't mean that they that that, that they're a glutton. Well, he says belly in the Greek means their own desires. Their own desires. There are some people with their own motives, their own desires, and they have they have an agenda. That they want to bring about and so really what it is is they want control and they want control they want to have influence they want to have that but it's not god's way of letting them being promoted and so they're going to do it their own way and it's causing division and strife and it's really coming from their own emotions it's coming from their own desires and from their own uh desires to to have control But, see, it's going to be hard sometimes to figure out these people because when they come in, they don't come in with a pitchfork. (laughs) They're going to come in very smooth, and they're going to sound good, and they're going to actually be very uh, uh, smooth to you personally to win you on their side. And it says here, it says, they don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. But by smooth words, say smooth words. words. (laughs) They're smooth talkers. By smooth words and flattering speech. What's the difference between flattery and praise? Praise is when you're trying to put something in someone. Flattering is when you want to get something out of someone. So it's good to compliment someone, to encourage someone, but flattery is you're trying to get something out. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when someone is flattering you. And so it was smooth words. And so they're going to try to get on your side and to adopt their point of view so you can get on their side, so you can get numbers on their side. And really what they want to do is they want to cause division. They want to split the church. And so flattering speech. So beware of those that are over the top in praising you and complimenting you. See, I've learned after 25 years of ministry that when there's a lot of honey There's stingers nearby. (laughs) So I'm pretty wary of those that are giving me a whole lot of honey and sweet and all this other stuff and complimenting everywhere because usually that's when stingers are nearby. The bees are present. And so remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, that, that's the praise of man and the praise of those. But quickly, he started teaching doctrine. And then they said, by what manner do you do these things? They didn't like what he was teaching. And then finally, they said, crucify, crucify. So oftentimes, new pastors get into a church? And the first year is, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then when they start changing things and doing things, and all of a sudden, by what authority do you do these things? <laughs> and they crucify, crucify. So be, be careful of those that are so flattering to you, to your face, they'll put a knife in your back. And I'm not saying don't be nice to people, but I'm saying overly nice, and it's just super sweet and sugary. Just watch out. I'll be with you, pastor. I'm behind you until the rapture. <laughs> and you're, they're so far behind you, you don't see them anymore. <laughs> I'm with you, pastor, until next week. <laughs> they deceive hearts. They, 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 they deceive souls. Of who do they deceive? The simple What's the simple mean? They're gullible. You ever met someone gullible? They'll just believe anything. You know, there was this gullible person, and, and so a friend uh, was watching, uh, had watched the news at the 6 o'clock, but it was around 10 o'clock, and they were with their friend. And so they wanted to play a little game with their friend. And said, and so the, one of the TV uh, news reports had a video of a person standing on a bridge about to jump. And so the so one person said to the other gullible friend says, "You know what? Um, you know I I uh, I bet you fifty bucks they jump." And they says, "Okay, I bet I take that bet." And so the person jumps and the and, and then says, "Well, I feel bad about taking your money because I watched the six o'clock news." And she goes, "Well, I did too, but I didn't think they'd do it again." <laughs> so it's. Some people are just gullible, right? They just believe anything they hear. (laughs) Praise God. Deceives the heart of the simple, the gullible. And so those who cause divisions for those purposes will target immature believers who are gullible that believe everything they hear. And so these people try to get young Christians to get agitated in their hearts against leadership. And so look at verse 19. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise to what is good and simple concerning what's evil. Notice it says, for your obedience has become known to all. That word obedience means to hearken or to hear and obey or hear and believe. In the New Testament, but obedience and believing are synonymous terms. And so what they're saying is you're known for believing what you're hearing and acting on what you hear. Everything you hear, you just take it and believe it. And you put it into practice. You're well-known, Rome, is that, is that you have such a heart, quick to hear the word, quick to put it into practice. You're known for that he says, that's a good thing to have, but wait a minute, it could go to your deficit though, if you don't check it out with scripture. Because he said something to the Bereans, he says, you're more noble than those in Thessalonica because they listened to what Paul eagerly received, what Paul had to say. They had an open heart. They weren't judgmental, waiting for him to say the wrong thing. They had their heart wide open. They wanted to hear the word of God, but it says that they checked it out daily. They checked it out with scripture to see if it was so or not. And Paul calls them more noble. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, they just opened up, believed whatever, and says, well, whatever you say, Paul, okay. Well, good thing that they were hearing good things from Paul. But what about the next preacher that came through town? Well, whatever you have to say. And oftentimes, Judaizers would come in right after Paul, wherever Paul would go. Judaizers, legalists would come in and undermine Paul's ministry. But if you're just opening yourself up to whatever preacher has to say, guess what? You're going to be in and out all over the place. And so it's good that, you, that you're that you open to receive the word and believe what you hear, but check it out with the scriptures. And so there's so many gullible Christians today. They're just, they're baby Christians. When a baby, one thing about a baby is why, why do you need to pick up things around everywhere when a baby's crawling around? Because they'll put anything in their mouth. You know, they'll put good things like, you know, they put good things like food in their mouth, but they'll put a spider in their mouth. They just put anything in their mouth, and they think or poison in their mouth, and, and so you got to watch it because young believers, they'll just take anything. And so, again, there's all kinds of good stuff out on Facebook, but there's rotten stuff out on Facebook. There's lies out on Facebook, and you're like, well, I've, it was on Facebook. It has to be true. It was on Google. I Googled it, They said, who's they? One hundred research and scientists said, oh, okay. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on this behalf, but I want you to be wise to what's good and simple according to evil. And so you need to be educated with the word of God to what's good. And that's your plumb line to know what's right, what doctrine's good, what doctrine's evil. You're, you're steeped in the Word of God, and so you know the Word of God. And so look at verse 20. Paul says, And the God of peace so crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So you would think this was the end of the letter because he said amen, but he's a preacher. And Paul, this is his first close, closing of his sermon, and he will have two others to come. Where you think he's wrapping it up, oh good, the preacher's about done, and no, he's still talking. Paul was a talker, loved to talk. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, one night it said he was, Paul was long preaching all the way to Midnight. And they were in the upper loft. And it says there were much many lights in the room. That means it wasn't like light, electricity. They had lamps. It was warm. A lot of light lamps going on. And it was warm. And a young man named Eutychus trying to get some fresh air opens a window. Sitting in a window trying to get some fresh air because it's warm up there. And Paul is long preaching. And he fell into a deep sleep and fell out of the window from the third loft and was taken up dead Paul had to go down and raise him from the dead if you kill him you raise him up and as a, as a young minister don't kill him with your sermons stand up speak up and then shut up when the Holy Spirit's done you, you're done and so Paul's going to give the first closing here. You think this is it, but no, he's going to keep talking. But he says the God of peace. Say God of peace. peace. We'll crush Satan under feet. This, this, this phrase God of peace is used five times in the New Testament. Five stands for grace. That means the peace of God is rooted in the grace of God. In almost every New Testament letter, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. There's no peace without grace. But it says here, The God of peace, used five times in the New Testament, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Can you notice the God of peace? Oh, that's so peaceful. God of peace is going to crush Satan. That's pretty violent. Crush someone's head. And so, dude, that brings out the fact that the peace of God is violent to the enemy. It's offensive weapon against the enemy. When you know that you have peace vertically with the Father and then horizontally you're at peace standing on the promises of God. Not standing on the premises, standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of God and you're in peace. And he's doing the biggest show. He's throwing the sink, the kitchen, all of the appliances at you. And there's no demons in Africa. They're all on your front porch. And he's throwing everything at you and doing his boogeyman show. And you're saying, is that all you got? And you're at peace? Because you know the end from the beginning, and you know you win? That's offensive weapon against the enemy. That crushes him. You know how the armor in Ephesians 6, the different armor, the breastplate and the helmet and the shield. But, you know, they're shoes. How can a shoe be an enemy? Well, you know, there's some ladies that can, whoo, whip those things. She's never thrown a shoe at me. (laughs) Praise God. But some of those shoes can be wet. Those high heels can really do some damage. (laughs) But the the Roman sandal, well, how can sandals be? You know that the Roman sandal had had, uh, spikes so they could stand steady. And they called the sandals of peace, the shoes of peace that will crush Satan's hand. So when you stand in your peace you have with the Father and realize that God accepts you not because of your standard of holiness, but Jesus's, and then you, you're standing on God's promises, you can crush Satan under your feet. Amen. It says the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet shortly. Clueless translation. It didn't say he's going to crush Satan under his feet. He says the God of peace is going to crush Satan under your feet shortly. He's already, Jesus has already crushed him. I mean, his head's already cracked, and he's, he's brain damaged. <laughs> Come on. Colossians 3, I mean, Genesis 3.15 gave a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent. And so <clears throat> that's already happened. Jesus already crushed his head. He's done that work. And now he says, It's now your, I'm gonna let, take my foot off from him, and now you put yours on. You put your feet over him. You need to see him crushed under your feet, and it's gonna be when you stand in the and let the God of peace do that. Amen. Amen. And so I love the book of Joshua. Turn over there real quickly. And the book of Joshua brings this out in type. And so let's look at the book of Joshua. And so look at Joshua chapter 10. There's five kings. They go into battle, and the five kings end up running, getting defeated. And the five kings run together to a cave and hide out in a cave. Now look in Joshua 10. Look at verse 22. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave. And so it said, uh, I'm sorry, go up to Joshua 10, 17, 16. Joshua 10, 16. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in the, cane of, uh, the cave of Machadah And it was told Joshua saying, Take the, uh, saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Machadah So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And then in verse 22 it says, open the mouth of the cave, bring out these five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out the five kings to him from the cave. And, the, and, he, and he names the five kings. And so it was they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and to the captains of the men of war and, that went with him and said, Come near, put your feet, say your feet, on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Joshua is a type of Jesus. fact, it's an Old Testament form of Jesus. And it says these five kings were, put, were found in a cave and they rolled a big stone over the cave. Does that remind you of something? When Jesus has put, he put all the enemies of God, when he took his, your sins, he brought all of the enemies against your life, and they put him in that cave with Jesus and rolled that stone over. So Joshua, your Jesus has defi- defeated had the, defeated these five kings, and he says, now open that, and it spoke, when that stone was rolled, it's speaking of resurrection, and those five kings now, they still are present in the natural realm until jesus comes back but he says now he called for the leaders of the army and says now you put your feet on their necks you, I've given you authority over them. Now you need to take authority over these enemies. There's enemies in your life, and you're looking to God. He's already defeated them through the crop, through that. They were buried with Him in that tomb, and that stone was rolled away. And Jesus dealt with them, with the authority of that. But now He's given you the authority to put your feet on their necks, on their heads, and you rule over them. Amen. That's so good, Thank you. You come sit on the front row no I'm sorry. <laughs> hallelujah you need to say that again though because that was so good pastor I can't you, you ever said something and said say that again yes like, <laughs> he's, he's defeated them yes but Satan's still going around trying to def- confuse you yeah. into thinking that he has the victory He's defeated sickness. Yes, he he's defeated poverty and lack. Yes, he he's, defeated the he's defeated all those things. And so why are you letting him... Well, he's got me on the ground pinned. Wrong position. Amen. Why are you down there? You get up and put him down there because he's already down there. Put your foot on his neck. Put your foot on their head. And God wants to crush them under your feet, but it's the God of peace that will do it. Yes. How peaceful are you right now in your trial? How worried are you? So upset. Jesus isn't. Jesus is not up pacing. Oh, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh man. How I'm gonna take care of their rent. Oh, those bills? Oh. I just can't think about it. No, Jesus is seated. He's at peace because it's the finished work. Are you you resting in the finished work of Jesus in your life? That peace is an offensive weapon against the enemy. we will crush him under your foot like a grape. Praise God. And so he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so look at this phrase, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. If you notice, in the, if you look in the Bible, actually the word be is in italics, which means it wasn't in the Greek. Actually, the Greek says the grace of God is with you. You know, the, the grace of God is mentioned in the New Testament 128 times in the New Testament. Not one time is there an exhortation to do this or an example of someone doing this praying for grace. Why? Because grace has already been given to you. Almost every New Testament book starts out, grace to you, grace to you, and peace. What? Just receive. Grace has been extended. Grace has been there. So why are you praying for something? Receive it. Not one example. Well, pastor, what about Hebrews chapter 4? It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Don't you to pray for grace? Well. What does that verse say? Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. Some of you guys need some mercy. Tell someone next to you, you need mercy. Now tell the other person next to you, you really need mercy. Mercy's for when you've blown it and you haven't done it right. You're usually the cause of your problem. Or a big but a big contributor <laughs> come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace yes. grace has been there all the time it's there it's been offered it's been provided you need to find it find it find it you don't need to pray for grace say God I have grace I thank you God's grace is not just unmerited favor it is but it's the power of God it's the ability of God to do what you need to do yes. and so you have the power tell someone you have the power of the power now don't get carnal <laughs> so we been, oh god I just need grace give me grace you've got it it's in your spirit you're like prego it's in there <laughs> tell someone you're full of it <laughs> your spirits full of grace Every grace that you need to face whatever you're facing, you got grace for it. I don't care what temptation or trial of the devil. You have a grace, a shade of grace that matches it Amen. and overcomes it. Amen. Verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. Verse 22 says, I, Tertius, why would you name your kid Tertius? <laughs> He's going to have trouble in school. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle. I thought Paul wrote this epistle. I'm so confused by the Bible, pastor. Well, hold on. Paul dictated it, and Tertius wrote it down. He was the, he was the scribe that wrote down the book. Usually that happened most writings of uh, Paul he would dictate to someone they would write it down and then the last sentence he would write in his own hand like Galatians in with my own hand I'm writing the salutation so you know it's me because I write big old letters and this is how I write So Tertius was the one who was scribe that wrote this down it says greet you in the lord verse 23 Gaius my host in Co- this is in Corinth My host and the host of the whole church at Corinth greet you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city. I mean, Paul had connections in the city, and it's always good to have a connection with the treasurer. (laughs) And so, Erastus, the treasurer of the city, got saved. Greeting to you, even Cortus, a brother. And so, look at verse 24. Now, here's the second closing. Oh, it's over with. Paul's done. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Look at the word be. It's in italics. It's not there. The Greek says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Amen. So be it. Well, praise God. It's all over. No, that's the second closing. Paul has still got things to say. Go down to verse 25. Now. There's hope for us. Verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So Paul says here that God is able, say able, God is able to establish you according to the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of grace, that he's able to establish you. Grace establishes you. The law, legalism always unsettles you, puts quicksand under you. Doesn't have any firm foundations when it's based on your performance versus Jesus's performance, but when you understand that God moves in your life based on Jesus's perfect performance for you as you, and you receive it by faith, not your own version of it, which is imperfect. If you're on your own, you're on sinking sand, shifting sand. You have no stability in your life, and so the security and stability as a Christian begins when you understand the righteousness of that is a gift from Jesus. It's perfect. It's never going to be tarnished. It's one time. It's based on his finished work, not what he's doing right now, what he's done as a man, perfect in your behalf. It's yours. It's your gift given to you. And God moves based on that righteousness and that alone. And when you believe and put your, you have peace. You have stability. You're not up and down with your performance. You're not a yo-yo Christian. Tell someone, don't be a yo-yo. Now to him who is able to establish you according to the good news and the preaching of Jesus Christ, the preaching of his finished work, according to the revelation of the mystery. Say mystery. mystery. Mystery is a term used for the church in the church age. In the Old Testament, the church was not openly taught or brought out. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. The first coming of Jesus would be pro- prophesied in the Old Testament and his second coming right after it. And you think it was going to be, you know, his first coming and then he's right when he comes, he's going to bring in this everlasting kingdom of the Jewish nation and the Gentiles will go under it. And so his kingdom, he'll come back for a thousand years. And there is no, but there is a gap. God says, you know, I'm going to slip something in called the mystery. It's the mystery of the church age. Tell someone you're a mystery. Especially husbands and wives, you're a mystery. It says marriage is a mystery. And it's a mystery. And so, what's part of the mystery? It's everything that belongs to the church age righteousness by faith. That you're a priesthood. Every believer's a priest, every believer's a king. Why? Because Jesus is a king, Jesus is a priest. And everything in the New Covenant that Jesus is, he shares with you because you're one with him. He's the seed of Abraham, but so are you. Tell someone you're a seed. Some seeds are bigger than other seeds, I don't judge. But he's the seed of Abraham, well so are you. But the Bible goes on to say, as he is, so are we in this present world. Why? Because he, everything he is and everything he has, he shares with you. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It says, now to him who's able to establish according to my goodness. To, but look, he says, my gospel. I thought it was Jesus's. Paul said, my gospel. Has the revelation of the word hit you so much it's become your revelation? Well, this is the revelation Andrew I learned from Karis. And Andrew said... Now you know you could take that revelation you got from Andrew and make it so much to where it becomes your revelation. It's your gospel. Paul says, My gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Oh, well, you never know what God's going to do. But look at verse 26. But now, but now made manifest... Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Hasn't entered the heart of what God has prepared for those that love Him. You just never know. But the next verse says, But God has revealed them by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. But now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations. Why? He wants the mysteries out. Tell someone, let the mystery out. Go tell the secret that everybody out there on the streets welcome. I don't care how bad you've been, how good you think you are, everybody is equal at the foot of the cross and you all get in on this grace and there's not a special group of people that the other ones are left out. No, Jesus opened swing wide the door to everyone because all of us need grace. All of us need the mercy of God. And so we're to go tell the secret. For what's been in secret, shout it from the housetops. Go out and be evangelists of this mystery and of this good news and tell people. It says, now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. No, the Greek says the obedience of faith. It's for the obedience of faith. Obedience in the New Testament is, based, is rooted in faith. Raise your hand if you want to be obedient to God. Believe them. There's no faster way. It's a if you want to. It's a wormhole to obedience. You want to be obedient to God? Trust God. Believe Him. Believe what He said. Well, He didn't see it that way. I don't feel that way. You faith giant. I confessed it three times. Pastor didn't happen. Well, let's induct you into the hall of faith. Where's the gold jacket? Through faith and patience we inherit the promises. But trust in God. That's obedience to God. For the obedience of faith. Ask someone, are you obedient today? Are you trusting God in your trial? Are you at peace? How do you know you're in, you're in faith and you're believing God? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 says, he, uh, he who has believed enters into rest. Yeah. Yeah. For we who have believed do enter into that rest. What's the highest form of faith? Rest. Well, it's not getting ramming up, you know, rev, revving up your your uh, faith chainsaw. Oh, I'm a believing, I'm a believing, I'm believing, I'm a believing, I'm a believing, I'm a believing. I'm gonna down this tree, you know. Well, I'm Jericho marching it. I'm confessing scriptures at God like a machine gun. Rat-tat-tat, a tat rat-a-tat. God, you said, you said, you said, you said. I've done it. Why you're trying to convince God. He's convinced. Are you convinced? No, you can confess the word to convince you, but don't you're you're speaking the word in the wrong direction. Speak to your mountain. Don't speak to God. For the obedience of faith. Verse 27. To God alone wise. That means he's the only one that got wisdom. Tell someone you don't got it. Now I'm just saying, well, I do too. I know. Well, first of all, you got it from Jesus. He's the only one. God's the only one that has wisdom. Why are you listening to people that don't know God? Well, it's just wisdom. No, it's not. God's word is wisdom. God only wise. Why you listen to people that don't know God, they spurn God, they hate God, and they're trying to give, tell you what's wisdom. And you're listening? To God alone wise. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask of God. Who abrades not but gives liberally. God will make you wise. That's what Proverbs is about. Proverbs is so that you won't be stupid anymore. (laughs) To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) It's over. Romans is over. Bow your heads. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for the book of Romans. Thank you for what we've learned. That, Lord, apart from you, we're all sinners and we need Jesus as our Savior. And he came to live under the law and fulfill righteousness on our behalf. And by faith in him, we become justified just as we've never sinned. We become righteous and holy and pure and forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and we're a priest and a king. And we have a calling and we're to reach out horizontally with that gift that we have and become a living sacrifice and put our flesh on the fire, sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. And that we are taught to judge other people but to minister to them, Father. And Father, I thank you that those here today, Lord, you've given them authority. You've crushed Satan's head already, but now you're asking them to put their feet on the devil's head. And so today you'd say, Pastor, I haven't been taking the authority that I should be taking. That I realize Jesus has crushed them, but how is, the, how is, how is God going to crush Satan under my feet? Peace? Peace? And I rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then, I, then I'm resting in His promise that He's already provided everything I need in this situation. And I'm just going to be at peace. I'm not going to try to get my chainsaw going. I'm not going to do a Jericho march. I'm not going to use my machine gun and rat-a-tat scriptures at God. But I'm just going to be at peace in the finished work of Jesus. And I'm going to let the God of peace crush Satan under my feet. And you, want, and you say, you today I'm just going to walk in the peace of God today. And let God do that for me. And My enemy is under my feet. Raise your hand. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God of peace. You're crushing Satan shortly, right now, under their feet, as they wear the sandals of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
1: Amen. Good morning. How many of you are for God this morning? How many you know that God is for you? It's easy to believe that God that we are for God and we stand for God, His word, His promises. But I feel like there's some people here this morning, you feel like that God is not for you. You are for Him. Romans 8:31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. I I wondered, God, why'd you put if there? Why didn't you just say God is for us? Because God knew there would be some who would go through discouragement, some who would question his love. And then God says in verse 32, he answers the if. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. You know how... We can know that God is for us, no matter what you're going through this morning, is that he sent Jesus, and Jesus paid it all. He delivered us. He gave us that power and that authority. You know, when the disciples was on that ship and the storm came, they didn't question Jesus' power or ability. You know what they questioned? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? And some people here are questioning, God, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you see? And I'm here to encourage you today that Jesus came. God loved you so much that if he was willing to give him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Believe it and receive it, church. Amen.
2: Good morning. As Julian was singing the goodness of God, the Lord has just impressed upon me to tell you that while you were you didn't know Him, while you were out there doing your own thing, in Romans two four said He said, "Oh, are do you despise the riches of His goodness for bearing long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance?" And while you were there doing your own thing, didn't know God, He was so good to you. And I believe God wants you to continue remember that and thanking Him that He's a good God and He's faithful. And no matter what you're going through today, remember, some of you forgot about the goodness of God. You were not even saved, but He was protecting you. He was there for you. And I just want you to, rem- to encourage you today. Just continue thanking Him. And just let him know, God, you're a good God. I don't care what the enemy throws at me. You are faithful. And God, so you continue to worship me and thank me and remember my goodness.
3: So the other day, I was just praising and worshiping the Lord. And, you know, we have the Lord is here. The Lord is walking through here. He's among us. And he gave me a word. And he said, um, I am here. I am In you, I am in everybody here, and I remember um, asking him, Lord, what what do you want to say? What do you want to show me? And so I really think that the Lord asks us to open up our hearts, open up our spiritual eyes, and just listen to Him, and He will speak to us. But anyway, there was this lady standing. She had, I guess, went to the restroom, and she came back, and so I was just standing there, and He asked me to open my eyes to let her in and I opened up my eyes and he said I'm in her I am in her and everyone else in here and so I think I would like to encourage people or the Lord would encourage us by just opening up our hearts our senses listening because he is in us he is truly inside of us and he's a good God